Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. Happy to have you with us today for another half hour of Bible study. And it's directed by you. So hopefully you enjoy the program since you're the director. You get to decide what we talk about. Uh, Ask us any questions about where is something in the Bible, what something means, is this really in the Bible? Uh, Maybe something in your life or a current event that you wonder, what the Bible has to say about that? We'll try to find you an answer. There's a phone number and a website on the screen all the time. You can use those any time, day or night, and we'll get your questions Uh, and get them on the program as quickly as we can. So that's the way we operate, and we're ready to answer questions. When I say we, I mean me, Steve Tandy, and my partner, Toby Levering. Hi, Steve. Hi, Toby. Glad you're back, ready to study up and get some questions answered here. Got one for our viewers, though, first, a little trivia question. Uh, Who became king after Belshazzar? An Old Testament question in Daniel's time. Who became king after Belshazzar? And we'll give you the answer at the end of the program. Now, I'm going to have to point out that some of these trivia questions are tests to see if you're really studying. Uh, Last week, the answer was five, and I said seven. So if you caught me on that, you did good. You you checked (laughs) up on me. Uh, We asked about how many uh, husbands had the woman at the Samaritan well have, and I said seven. And uh, as soon as we were done... Toby said, I thought she just had five, so uh, he was correct. I was thinking of another story that the Pharisees asked Jesus about, gave you the absolute wrong answer. So uh, I stand corrected, five husbands. But you, you pointed, you, I mean, you showed us like the purpose of the program is just yeah. check the scripture. You yep. know, we, if you're watching at home, whether you've been watching a long time or a short time, you know, Steve and I are human and <laughs> we'll get it wrong occasionally. I, so I did we hope like- you- I did give you the scripture. Yeah, so. that's exactly right. It point us in the right direction, and uh, we always just uh, align ourselves back to what the Word says. Okay, so. that was just an object lesson. Yeah. I just yeah. Wanted, wanted to help them <laughs> see that. Okay, answer All your right. question. Uh, question number one is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Children should obey, obey their parents in the Lord. What if the parents don't know the Lord? All right, this is a... Uh, a good question, and maybe there's a child out there watching, or maybe somebody knows a child in this situation. Uh, my answer to that is parents are still in charge. No parent is perfect. Uh, I do believe God puts the parents in our lives that we need and gives parents the children that they need. Uh, but there are situations where parents uh, are not in the Lord. And the question is kind of, uh, well, is a child still obliged to respect the authority of and obey those parents? And my answer to that is almost always yes. Uh, My exception to that is if a parent lays down a rule that violates the will of God and and violates a command of God, uh, 
and and even in that case, the child should be respectful and and uh, do their best to honor their parents, but always honor the Lord uh, first. So, uh, my answer is obey and honor as well as you can. Uh, well, let's look at Ephesians chapter six one. We're going to look at it with a couple of different translations. This will give us some insight as well. In the English Standard Version, Ephesians six one says, "Children." Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And in the ERV, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents the way the Lord wants, because this is the right thing to do. Ephesians 6, 1 does not say, Children, obey your parents, for they are right. It says, Obey your parents, for this is right. Uh, parents, <clears throat> even God-fearing parents, uh, who love the Lord uh, will, will occasionally make the wrong call, but obedience and honoring your parents is still the right thing to do because that's what God wants you to do. Hope that helps you. Okay, question about Genesis. A viewer says uh, Genesis says that God regretted making man, so why do people still trust him and ask him for things if he regretted making them? Okay, let's look at the uh, verse that our viewer is talking about here, and that is Genesis 6, 6, and it does say that. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. All right, now we've got to understand a couple things. Uh, when it says God regretted, the terminology there is really he was uh, deeply sorry. He was, and it covers that later where it says his heart was deeply troubled. Uh, they brought him grief because of the way they acted and every thought of their heart was continually evil. So he was sorry that he made them. Now, then he took action. Uh, and his action was that he made a fresh start with those who were righteous. Uh, he caused the flood and he started over again. I think the key to understanding this is uh, let's let's talk about it in human terms, perhaps. If you have a child who completely, totally rebels, I mean, just goes completely off the rails to the dark side, uh, you may have that thought pass through your mind, I am really sorry that I had that child. Now, what you do about that, though, is you take disciplinary action. You may even throw them out of the house. You may do whatever is necessary. But under it all, you want that relationship back. You love them and you let them know that. But you say, I am deeply sorry you're behaving this way. And you take action. Okay, The purpose is to get them to come to their senses. Well, in a sense, that's what God did. And let's look at a couple more verses and you'll see what I mean. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 21st. It says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Okay. In Genesis 6, 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Okay. If God really regretted making all of mankind, he could have just ended it. Uh, he could have stopped everything and uh, ended the creation of man. But he didn't. He increased grace by taking those who were righteous and making a new world out of them. Noah, because of his righteousness, found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and he gave us a chance. He started over. So uh, I understand what our viewers asking. 
but God being very, very sorry of the way man was behaving and taking action to uh, clean the world up, if you will, indicates how much he tried. It indicates how much grace he gave us. So I think it shows a little different side of what our viewer is uh, reasoning there that they regretted making us. Why do we bother with him? All right, Toby, what's your viewer need to a know? A question about guardian angels. We do get this from time to time. Psalm 91 mentions guardian angels. Please discuss. All right, well, we'll not look at all of Psalm 91, but let's look at Psalm 91, 11, and 12. It says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Okay, uh, and this, of course, uh, this scripture was actually quoted by the devil to Jesus when he's being tempted uh, as, Jesus, as uh, Satan tried to misuse the scripture. Of course, Jesus didn't fall for it. He knew there was uh, more to it than that. But in terms of guardian angels, we often say we're discussing angels on the program. That angels are simply servants. The word angelos simply means to serve, one that serves. Angels are created beings, and they are serve at the pleasure of the Lord. They serve for what he needs done. Uh, we see them all throughout the scripture take on many different roles, sometimes as messengers, sometimes as warriors fighting in battles, sometimes to guard things, uh, sometimes, yes, even to protect. Some people have taken some scriptures and say, well, seems like we have each person, believer, has a personal guardian angel. Maybe you've heard that phrase, you know, don't drive any faster than your guardian angel can fly and that kind of thing. Uh, and that's a, an interesting idea. Uh, we can't really find scripture to back that idea up 100%. Um, but if God needs you to have a guardian angel, then you'll have one for sure. And uh, there is another scripture, in fact, uh, that kind of points us to the picture of what angels do as a whole. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 uh, says this, Are not all angels ministering spirits, minister the idea of serving, uh, sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So angels simply serve. They do what the Lord needs. If that means uh, uh, being a guardian uh, for someone, I suppose that is possible uh, but the Bible doesn't tell us specifically that every single person has a uniquely assigned guardian angel. Hope that helps you. Okay, let's study the Bible together in your home and uh, give you some ways to do that. That's what we like to uh, suggest each week, that home Bible study is really important. Uh, we believe it's God's Word, and I believe it has a lot of uh, wisdom for all of us, but we only find it if we get inside the Bible and study it a little bit. So we try to help some of our viewers get started in regular Bible study and form a habit of Bible study. And we do that with some tools that we'll send you absolutely free of charge. Here's the first course of lessons. It starts with the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's the first two lessons. Uh, you learn the difference between those two big parts of your Bible. Then we've got some more detailed courses beyond that one that'll keep you busy for a long time in your Bible. And we've got uh, some online courses that are a great way to study the Bible, too. Just log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org and you can get uh, give them some information 
They'll get you started, and you can just study the Bible wherever you are. Uh, uh, Any time of day or night, you can do a Bible lesson. So great ways to study the Bible. Phone number and a website on the screen. Use those any time to get in touch with us. Uh, We'd like to send you that free course and see how you like studying the Bible. All right, question about Christian sinning. If a Christian sins knowing that it is a sin, does Hebrews 10.26 mean there is no forgiveness possible? Okay, so Christian sins knowing that it is a sin, is there no forgiveness? All right, let's read that scripture and see what our viewers after here. Hebrews 10.26-27, For if we go on sinning deliberately... After receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. If we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. All right, let's think about that. Uh, What's that talking about? is a continuous lifestyle of sinning. Maybe it's a particular sin, maybe it's just overall sin, but what that verse is saying is if we receive the knowledge of the truth and say that we're a Christian, become a Christian, uh, we repent and confess and are, are baptized and of course we always question how sincere that would be if somebody does continue in sin, but people do that. And if we do that and become a Christian and then refuse to change our life. See, that's the, the, the secret here. Is Christians uh, agree that they're going to follow Christ. And that means that they're going to try to get more like Christ. And that takes a long time. We grow in holiness. We, we grow in uh, sanctification. But it takes effort and takes time and prayer and all that. But there's a difference between that and deliberately saying, no, I'm not going to change. Okay. Uh, for instance, there's a verse in the Bible where Paul wrote to a group of new Christians and he said, if you used to steal, he said, you got to stop stealing. you got to work for a living and make enough money to help some other people too, but you can't steal anymore. Okay. So if somebody in that town came and said, okay, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow Christ, and a week later you found out, well, they were arrested again for stealing, and you went to talk to them, and they weren't sorry, they just said, no, that's the way I make my living, I don't intend to stop stealing. That's what Hebrews 10 is talking about. If you go on sinning deliberately, then there's no sacrifice for sins. Uh, It doesn't work that way. Okay, Now, we do sin for a lot of reasons. We sin out of weakness. Uh, we sin out of ignorance sometimes. Have any of you ever read the Bible somewhere and you see a verse and you say, man, that, what I did five years ago, what I did ten years, that was wrong. Uh, we learn. Well, we sin, but we sin out of ignorance. We sin out of weakness, and sometimes we sin rebelliously and then are sorry. And we realize what we've done and we repent but what Hebrews 10 26 talking about is somebody that doesn't do that they sin deliberately 
and they're not sorry about it. They have no intention of changing, and for that, there's no sacrifice for sins. Uh, let's read First John 1, 9 to settle this discussion. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, that's written to Christians who sin. And it says if we confess our sins, and confess means to agree with God. Okay, God, I agree this was sinful. You said it was wrong, and I did it, and I agree it's wrong. And if we confess our sin, he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So what Hebrews is trying to point out is uh, that if you sin deliberately without any sorrow, without any repentance, without any confession, and say that's just the way I'm going to do it, there's no sacrifice. Uh, it, it doesn't work that way. So hope that explains that to you. Okay, a question that's a little more <clears throat> uh, one you have to think about, I guess. Uh, are we born with a good heart and then learn to be disobedient, or are we born sinful? Well, let me start with the last half of the question first. I do not believe, uh, based on my study of Scripture, that we are born sinful. I know some people do believe that. Uh, the reason I don't believe that, uh, a couple reasons. Number one, we are created by God. Psalm 139 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written uh, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Okay, God formed us before we were human, and God doesn't make sinful things. Okay, so created in the image of God, no, I do not believe we were created sinful or born sinful. Um, people who believe that we are born sinful believe in the idea of inherited sin, that we're all guilty of Adam's sin. The reason I don't believe, subscribe to that theology is from a verse in Hebrews chapter... Hebrews, Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20, which says, The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the, righteous, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. Uh, I believe that not only is God good, that He's just, and it's unjust, uh, to take a newly formed, created child and and uh, condemn that child, uh, hold g guilty that child of sin that he or she did not commit, uh, but was committed by parents, grandparents, all the way back to Adam. I think that runs counter to what Scripture says. Now, to the first part, are we born with a good heart and then learn to be disobedient? I think that approaches it, okay? I believe we're created clean and good and pure. When a child is born, they're innocent. They haven't committed any sin. And yet all sin, at some point, human beings being human, all fall to sin at some point, uh, miss the mark in terms of God's perfect standard. Romans chapter 3 is very clear on this. For all have turned away, verse 12, Romans chapter 3. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And, and Romans 3, 23, the, the verse that goes uh, later in the chapter says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So 
Uh, I think we're born with a good heart, a clean heart, a pure heart, but as we come into the world and as we grow and mature, all will fall at some point. And some fall more than others, but all of us fail to miss the mark. So uh, I don't think we're born sinful. I think we choose sin, which I think at the root is what all sin is, is a willful choosing uh, to violate God's will and uh, and to transgress His ways. Hope that uh, clarifies for you. Okay. If you were called in and said, who gave Paul the authority to forgive sins? And I did a little bit of research on this. I didn't read all of Paul's letters, but uh, I, I don't know where Paul ever claimed to be able to forgive sins. If you know where that is, you might uh, call in or email us and tell me. But uh, I, I don't know where he ever claimed that. I'm not aware that he ever claimed on his own authority to be able to forgive sins. Now, he could declare uh, that if somebody repented, if somebody confessed sins, uh, he could say that, yeah, then your sins have been forgiven if you've confessed. Uh, I can say that. Uh, anybody that can read the Bible, uh, if in our view you've done uh, what is wrong and then you are truly sorry and you confess, and all of that, then I can say, well, then God will forgive you if you've truly repented and confessed. Uh, now, I realize I don't know people's hearts. I might be wrong. They might be flim-flamming me and not be sorry at all. In that case, I'm wrong. God doesn't forgive them. But uh, that's what Paul could do. That's what Christians today can do. They can judge from what they know of the case and what the person says and how they uh, seem to feel and all that, that, yes, you've agreed with God's conditions for forgiveness. But no man today has the authority to forgive sins. Now, Jesus did. He was the Son of God, and he, he did do that. Uh, he told people, your sins are forgiven. Okay. Uh, I don't think Paul ever did that specifically. He healed people, uh, but I don't know of a place where he claimed to have the authority to forgive sins. So if you know of the place, let me know. We take just a moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, the two sponsors of this program were produced by the Northside Church of Christ in Wichita, Kansas, and a lot of different Churches of Christ help us stay on the air, and we like to thank some of them each week. Uh, today, let's talk about the Emporia, Kansas Church of Christ and the Eureka, Kansas Church of Christ. Both great groups of folks that uh, study and think about the Bible like we do here and uh, support this program. So if you live in one of those communities and uh, if you're looking for a church home, you'd be warmly welcomed and you'd find a, a, a great group of new friends at those churches. Uh, maybe you know somebody that attends the Eureka or Emporia Church of Christ. Next time you see them, tell them you heard them talked about on Know Your Bible and that you watch this program and appreciate it. Uh, that'll make them realize that uh, people are watching. So we'd appreciate that. And we thank you for uh, those two churches for their support. Whatever broadcast market you're in, there's a Church of Christ near you. We invite you to visit at some time. And uh, if you're looking for a church home, a good place to visit. All right, Toby, hey. how do you pray? Well, uh, the question is, when you pray, do you pray to God or Jesus? 
And my answer is sort of yes. <laughs> you really, uh, all three are incorporated into prayer, but I understand what you're asking. As I look at Scripture, generally I, I address prayer to the Father. This is how Jesus prayed. Uh, this is the example we see several times in Scripture. Of course, we know we do that through Jesus' name. In fact, Jesus said, if you ask, um, uh, you can ask anything in my name. Um, and that is the relational part of prayer and that we are coming to the presence of God. How do we do that? Only through uh, the, the name and the, the, the precious uh, life of Jesus. And of course, we understand from Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that even as we are approaching the Father in Jesus' name, that the Spirit is interceding uh, uh, with in our prayer life with words and groans uh, that in some way is, is uh, interceding in prayer for us. So all three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are involved with prayer when we're doing it uh, sincerely, uh, but generally when I'm praying, I'm addressing it to the Father through the name of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, Paul wrote these words, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is how we should worship and certainly how we should pray as well. Hope that helps you. All right, viewers been reading in First Samuel, which is a good place to read for some uh, Old Testament history. First Samuel sixteen fourteen to fifteen, explain how an evil spirit can come from God. Well, let's check that and see if it does say that. Let's read the passage. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold, now. A harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. All right, so God took the, his spirit away from Saul because of his sins and attitudes. And it says a harmful spirit came in. Now, we know that happens when you clean the house or, and don't put something new in it. The, the bad people come in, Jesus' parable. Uh, but the, the way the Bible talks about a lot of things it says it came from God when it means that God allowed it. Now, we don't believe God has evil spirits, and he says, here, go uh, torment Saul. But he did allow it, and Satan was ready on the spot to go torment Saul. Uh, I think that's the best explanation is that God allows certain things even though he doesn't make them happen. And since from a their perspective, the, the Israelites, they said, okay, God was protecting him. He had a good spirit. Now he's got an evil spirit. Well, God must have done it. Uh, but God didn't send it. God didn't make evil happen. Uh, but he does allow it. I think the best way to understand that one. All right, let's do a trivia question. Make sure we get it answered. Who became king after Belshazzar? That's in the story of Daniel. And the next king was uh, Darius, is the way I say it. Darius, some people say. Daniel chapter 5 and verse 31. 
as the next king for Daniel, and I think I got that one right. I missed last Chicken week's and, uh, I missed last week's trivia question. First one I've ever missed, I think. So I'm still batting point nine 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 nine, but I didn't miss it. I'm glad you've been with us this week, and hope you come back next week for Know Your Bible. Until then, have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.